Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. You've been dreading going to this film. You haven't wanted to. You've insisted you weren't going to see it. I didn't quite insist I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I would never do that. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I sit through all sorts of things. And for the good of the podcast. Yes. You know, but, um, <laughs> but I was kind of dreading it because it's um, Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Paddington 2, which is a story about a bear from deepest, darkest Peru that comes to London and uh, just... Settles in I with middle see class the people. Sneer on your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all. It's everything that happens before Paddington goes to prison in this. I was having a horrible time. In fact, at one point, probably twenty twenty five minutes in, I don't remember what was happening, but I was literally staring into space, mm. like with a thousand yard stare, like a Vietnam veteran hoping it would end. I really didn't like it for a long time because it's so very very middle class. And everyone speaks in this, you know, nice, polite, mm. soft way that people in Britain apparently speak, even though no one does. Mm. Everyone speaks like me. They're vicious and belligerent. I tell you what it is. It's the family that I hate, and it's the people on the street, and this lovely little Londony community where everyone gets on, uh, and everyone apparently is friends, and I don't think anyone lives like that in the world. Mm. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that, because... I think I had planned a whole spiel on you know my view of the film because it is almost like a, a kind of an idealized uh, uh, or an imaginary kind of reconciliation of all the real social contradictions that exist in England at the moment, right? And so this kind of posits an idealized view of the way that things should be, but really they're not, right? So that whole thing about the community and the family and... You know, it is like a kind of an extraordinary wish fulfillment. Though that's quite lovely in a way, but it was irritating. It's irritating for a long time. Um, um, by the end, it, it kind of turns me around, but we'll get on to that. Um, yeah. I mean, I really don't like the children. I think these children should hate their parents more. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, they should... <laughs> the girl especially, I really don't like her because... What school has a printing press... Honest to God. Like, mm. she finds it, like the Wipers Times, you know? Just makes this thing. Mm. And says, so I'm going to print a newspaper. Like, she knows what she's doing. Mm. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, I do this on my own because I'm self-possessed and young and but, going into a STEM subject. And, yes. Well, I don't know. Uh, I must say, I didn't like them either. <laughs> I love... Uh, I love the parents, though. I love Sally Hawkins. Yeah, I do I like the she's, she's wonderful. Um... But it does seem to take place in kind of London's multi-millionaire row, doesn't it? You know? It takes place in a picture book, in a derogatory way. Yeah. This is a perfect imagined view, without yes. any of the creases. Like the, Basically, the, most, the worst part of society you get to see is a bad neighbour. Peter Capaldi. Played right? by Peter Capaldi, who's yeah. like nosy and doesn't agree with everybody else and gets in their way. He's like the Brexiteer of the film, isn't he? Yeah, but that's like the worst... Like, there's no homeless person in sight. Mm. This is London we're talking about. Yes. You know? Well, you know... You and that, that's what I mean, I mean by this, picture. You, know, you don't expect this film to be, like, realist. It's kind of oh, whimsy sure. and... Yes, you I know. know. Um, so... I know, I'm not really complaining about that, but... but I still don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. 
I mean, you know, it 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 um it takes it, a long time to shift into its gear. I think if you're not really if it's not your type of thing. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, that element. I thought if the film would have gone that way, I really would have hated the film as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, but luckily it didn't. No, quite right. Um, so um, I kind of. I did end up enjoying it very much, really. Um, oh, were you dreading it as well? Sorry? Were you dreading it as well? I got the impression you were looking forward to it. I wasn't dreading it because I really loved the first one. And, you know, people I really respected told me how much they loved it, right? Well, this is it. All your friends said how much they loved it. And I thought, well, I can't be doing with this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going. I'm with, hey, I hate it already. <laughs> Uh, but I um, I was a bit sceptical because I kind of, I have a very low tolerance for most children's films, actually. You okay. know? I find them all too cutesy and irritating. Uh, and there's a kind of a talking down to, to people in, in many of them that I, I, find, I find deeply irritating, actually. Um, but that wasn't the case with the first one. I thought it was verging on being that way in the first 40 minutes of the film, actually. Mm. And um, I hate the character that Julie Walters plays. Yeah, I really didn't like um, You know, kind of, she's the only, well, she's one of the few, the major working class person in the film. And I just, I, I hated the character and I hated the way Julie Walters played it. You know, mm. and I don't care if she is the nation's darling. I love her normally, but she's very irritating. Um, and it is the only working class person in there, except for the jailbirds. The jailbirds. Jailbirds. Prisoners. The criminal class. Yeah, it's very interesting because in the rest of the film, there's like the token working class person. In the jail, there's the token upper class person. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. Which, well, Paddington, I suppose. No, I was thinking of the, there's the Lord whatever, right? Oh, the, well, the, yeah, there's a political... The, the, yeah, there's a Jeffrey Archer sort of standard. Exactly. Which is quite funny. You know, but that's the only one. So... Well, I mean, he's there. He's, he's not even a character. He's there for two jokes. Yeah. yeah. But they land. Sure. You oh, know. no, but I'm saying, but he's not really... He's not a character in the same way that... He, he doesn't have the same role in that prison as Mrs. Bird does in the household. Well, she only gets about three lines also. No, me. yeah, sure, but she still is kind of actually part of that house. Okay. The, the, and she the, was in the first film, wasn't she? The argument remains that, you know, yeah. uh, there's a token working class person in, 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 in the neighbourhood and then there's like, you know, a token upper class person in the jail. Okay. You know, that's largely holes. And I think that's an interesting observation. That, me that is meaningful. You know, the whole of this London is constructed as being upper, upper, middle, you know, middle, upper, middle class, mm. yeah. you know, uh, and kind of all the crooks are like, you know, the working underclass. So, I, uh, you know, I kind of, I don't like that. Yes, I know. Well, it's, it's the same as me. So you want this to be more social realist too? No, I don't want it to be social realist <laughs> because it doesn't have to be social realist. You know, you can... To properly reflect. Yeah, to have, you know, because the film is trying to be inclusive. I actually do think that there is a Brexit argument, like a, an, an anti-Brexit argument in the film. So the film is obviously idealized. It's trying to be friendly and inclusive. You know, you have that French uh, black lady cycling through the neighborhood, which, you know, Paddington becomes friends with. And, you know, so it is, it is trying to be open and inclusive with the Jamaican music and so on and so forth. But it's not. 
I mean, it's unsuccessful insofar as when there's in the opening, Paddington is seen uh, leaving the house and cycling down the street or, or, or getting on the the, the garbage bin, yeah, the, the bin truck, yeah, with your man and helping him do his thing for. I think he's doing. He's, I think he's taking the knowledge. He wants to be a taxi driver. He wants to be like. a yeah, black cab driver. Um, and you've got you know, like the, the the Asian neighbour played by Sanjeev Bhaskar, who amazingly puts on a very bad Indian accent. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, loses his keys and Paddington helps him out and Paddington's helping out this, that and the other and making friends and chatting. And it's inclusive and delightful and lovely and I hated every second of that. It was... It, I was I was going, this has to stop. Like, it was so cutesy and so kind of, oh, Paddington, nice to see you. Oh, what have you done now? I, I know. Wanted that to stop as soon as possible. I know. It was like, you know... So, so if, it's trying to make a, if it's trying to make an argument that people should get along. This is not the film to do it in. It drove you to pull my teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> but it eventually gets around to it because by the time, by the final uh, bit of the film where everyone, uh, you know, kind of uh, gangs together on the street and they all gather in the house and they say, Paddington, we love you and we've mm. done this for you. That moved me. Oh. You know? So by the time it got there, I was, I was with it. Oh. Maybe it's because... It, you know, maybe it's because I hadn't seen him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> Go back to Peru, Paddington. <laughs> no, I think so, for me, what changed everything around was when Hugh Grant came in, you know, and he just energized everything because he gives like a really like delicious, hammy performance he's kind of completely in in it he's not afraid to make a fool of himself he's not afraid to be like evil he relishes every line and he just gives a huge burst of energy to the film it's exactly what i said when I, when he was in cloud atlas and because because in, in that film characters play uh, different uh, actors play different characters in several different timelines and basically every one of his is some form of villain and he loves that yes. he really relishes being being a dirty dirty band yes and um and in this he's that and he's but he's also, it fits, he shows off, he's an actor, his character. Yes. He's a, a famous actor who now only does dog food commercials. Yes. But he has a, an attic full of his old costumes and he seems to be mentally ill. Yes. <laughs> uh, he talks to the mirror in his, in his uh, not in his costume, but in his characters. And like, they're on these faceless mannequins. And so he looks at them and it's like they're speaking back to him and it's... Creepy, mm. um, but he, but like you say, he relishes it. It's a beautiful performance, and it's and great. It uh, uh, every moment he's on screen is a real joy. Yeah, I mean, him dressed as a nun running through St. Paul's <laughs> is just bliss. And actually, the last musical number as the credits rolled, the beep beepy boop beep beepy boop, was fantastic. It's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. So the film kind of. You know, it gets you out of the cinema on a real kind of cloud of joy, really. Yeah, it really uh, does. It so, put a smile on my face. Yeah. Which uh, is actually quite rare to say. Yeah. Especially okay. in the mood you were going in. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, I, it's uh, a real achievement. Like, I was thinking for a long time, this... At no point did I not respect the film. I didn't think it was bad at any point. So even while I wasn't enjoying it, I was thinking, you know, people who like this sort of thing, this is like as good as it gets. Yeah. It actually is. It's kind of virtuoso. Yeah. In the kind of in the kind of uh, film for your mum sort of sort of <laughs> getting autobiographical here. No, you don't what my mum actually really liked. It, yeah? But um, and she she's been talking about talking. To, I said to her, I'm going to see Paddington too, and she was uh, reeling off. Oh, look out for this joke, and there's this scene in it which is like this. She really, really enjoyed it. She said, oh. no, it's sweet, it's lovely. And in these, in the sweet, lovely film for your mum, 
<laughs> world genre. This is as, <laughs> this is as good as it gets. It's properly yeah. good. Uh-huh. It's got lots of good jokes, lots of crap jokes as well. But you know, take your pick. Um, it's got lots of kind of silly bits that actually make you embarrassed to laugh at, but you do laugh at them. I think yes. this is what I found anyway. Like jokes which you actually succumb to it after a while. Yes. Um, and and it is sweet and lovely, and it's got a nice kind of. Uh, sort of moral core to it and it's nice to have a character where things are just nice yes but everything is nice in Paddington's world yes that's really nice yes <laughs> it is no it is I love the character uh, and I love the the way that Ben Wishaw voices him actually uh, you know it's, it's got a lovely tone a lovely calm tone um, you, you you know he's convincing you, you kind of warm up to him and want to listen um for me, where the film works best and where I think it's really kind of virtuosic is just visually, you know, mm-hmm. kind of um, what it does with different kinds of animation, I think it's incredible. It's almost like, you know, the film glides seamlessly from one way of picturing the world to another. You know, the transition from the yeah. Sally Hawkins character drawing, you know. Yeah, it brings in her her illustrations. She, yeah. she does pencil illustrations and it kind of animates those and, yeah. and overlays them on other things in the scene sometimes. That's right. And so that becomes a world. And then when the film goes into the pop-up book of London... That's you know, a then wonderful sequence. That becomes a world. And then kind of when they go into prison, like the, the, the escape sequence in the prison is just kind of so beautifully rendered, you know. Um, yeah, with the, with the there's a light on the jail cells and then the floor opens up and then, yeah... Well, that's something I was going to come on to. Um, That scene in particular made me notice, and then I was noticing it through the rest of the film, that um, it made me really shock conscious. There's a real Wes Anderson feel to this. Uh Um, There's a kind of... There's there's like a toy box sort of doll's house aesthetic, and it's heavily done through planimetric Mm. shots, which are where the camera is straight onto a surface, uh, like perpendicular to a surface. Mm. And Wes Anderson is famous for this. You know, um, and he do, and he uses it all the time, and it makes you very aware of it, and 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 that's the way the prison escape is shot, that's mm. for sure. Um, and then as I once I watched that, I realised this this, and actually the thing about Wes Anderson is, he's very good. His imitators are not mm. generally. They generally don't have. There's a kind of magic in his mm. films. There's a. He, the, I don't know what it is, to be honest, but his films do work in a way that his imitators can't get them to. Mm. This film does, though. I think this film is about as successful as any of his imitators are. And that's not to put it down and say, oh, it's just copying him. It's not. It's a, it's it's just using the same sort of style in a way that's reminiscent of his work. It's using aspects of the style. Yes. You know, but uh, uh, but only aspects. Because, again, you know, I think that I think kind of what it does with animation... And with different kinds of animation in helping to kind of create a world and the way that it kind of, you know, it melds, uh, um, you know, the animated characters or the animatronic characters with the others. It's just kind of really beautifully done. It's funny that we noticed basically two different things. You were obviously quite focused on the animation. You were really looking out for it and noticing it. And I was doing the same with the the, um, shot composition. Right, okay. You know, I think if we watched it again... We'd see different things in it, maybe. Oh, I, I, I think that's for a fact because I, I always think the first time I watch a film, is like I just want to let myself go into the story, really, and so I'm not at all looking for anything, really. So, um, you know. But so, if you should happen to notice it, you know, you obviously picked up on the way it was animated. Yeah, and, I did. And you know that made an impression on me. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Whereas if I'd watch it again, then I'd be on the lookout for certain things. And that's really when I notice more shots and, yeah. you know, cuts and things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, I tend not to, unless, you know, the film gives me a reason to, unless it makes an impression somehow. Um, so, and, uh, you know, the, the, the worlds of the film kind of made an impression on me, just pictorially, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, and also the way that out of these different types of animation, it seems to construct something rather seamless, yeah? It kind of, these are all part of this world. Yeah. I love the scene where he's thinking of his aunt and he's in jail and the vegetation starts growing. And yes. Yeah, and, the, and he's in the jungle, but then he's really in a cell. I mean, the way that that's done is really just beautiful, you know? Um, it is. So, and uh, I love Brendan Gleeson. Actually, Wasn't he a joy? He was amazing, you know? Like the, the Central Streets and the Central Family are almost to a person absolutely irritating, but the players around them that yes. fill in the rest of the film are great, particularly yeah. Hugh Grant and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. And, and he was... They're the two standouts, yes. you know. Uh, and Brendan Gleeson, I actually now can't remember, but, you know, when you first meet him, there's a, a way that he pronounces a word, and just his pronunciation of the word made me laugh. You know, yeah, it's like uh, when they, they're obviously discussing something to do with cooking. Well, it's, it's when you're introduced to him, it's when... Uh, Paddington wants to complain about the gruel that he's yes. fed in prison. I don't remember what the word would have been. Um, I, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I think it was a French kind of pronunciation for something, right? Like oh, um, b uh, baguette. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he does that so often, you know. His he face, thinks, it, I uh, mean, he's a towering figure, the way he's shot. Yes. Particularly next to Paddington, who's, who's obviously like a three-foot bear. Yes. Um, so there's this kind of... He's very imposing and, and intimidating um, and, and well-built and huge beard. But he softens in yes. all these ways and his face particularly starts to move. Yes. And, and it's, it's, it's not that subtle, really. I mean, it is still a film for kids and so the, the way that people emote is not subtle uh, at all. But it's, um, uh, it's kind of delicate, I guess. Like it, it's well-considered, well, it, it's, well it's calculated. So he, um, when he starts to feel something for Paddington, he's trying to keep up keep up this hard man attitude but then privately to himself his face just just goes soft and mm. you go oh he loves Paddington yeah <laughs> I mean you know the film has a who's who of British comic character actors right like yeah. kind of you know it seems for a while that almost everybody appears from Mira Sayal to Richard Aoyade Aoyade Richard Aoyade yeah so and um Kind of, you know, almost all of them are good. I mean, there's there are a couple of people that irritated me. Like, I thought, you know, Ed Broadbent, for one. Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Yeah, sorry, Ed Broadbent. Jim Broadbent, um, you know, kind of irritated me. Uh, just the way that he sang his lines irritated me. I know he's another of these national treasures, but I... I know, sort I, of... I know what you mean. I definitely know what you mean. Uh, I was sort of irritated, but after a point I was going, you know, he sounds exactly like Professor Heinzwolf. And and I can't really criticise him for that no. because some Germans do sound that absurd. Anyway, he he got on your tits. Yes, and kind of in a different way, the Peter Capaldi character as well. Poor accent. Yeah, it was like poor everything because actually that's that is a character. The film, you know, the actor could have made more of in the film, turned it nastier and funnier and, yeah. you know, whereas 
kind of, you know, it was almost like Peter Capaldi was playing the bad guy, but he wanted to be nice or something. Like, it's, it's just not, it's not sharp or acid enough, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I remember kinda, him being better in the first film, I think. Um, I think he was more of a villain in that film. Yes. He's more of an irritant in this one. Yeah, well, he's definitely an irritant. Um, so, kind of, you know, I think everyone's talking about the film as if, like, everything in it is flawless. And, and I actually wonder to what extent people's perception of that just have to do with the film completely ensuring that you leave in a cloud, you leave on a high moment, right? Mm. Because actually, I think there is quite a lot to criticize in the film. I you know, I, it's not perfect. Not without its flaws. Um, but it does kind of... Oh, I do like the way it was shot. I yes. can't get over it. I mean, even, even the action scenes were shot planimetrically. And they've yes. made it work, you know? Yes. Like the, 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 the train chase right at the end. Yes. Which I think is brilliantly put together. It's brilliantly, brilliantly orchestrated. It's it got is. a wonderful kind of, kind of through line to it. And, and the way it evolves. And the way that I was talking about how Justice League didn't do it, you know? The action evolves from one bit to the next in mm. a meaningful way. And it's all shot straight on. It's one of the like, things it makes that, that exciting. One of the things that really interests me is how you have animated films with, you know, obviously animated <laughs> beings for whom getting hurt obviously means nothing. They, you know, they are animated. They, they won't feel any pain. And yet they can make you feel the excitement and the thrill of the chase or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have films with real actors because of the way that they're shot, it actually makes you feel nothing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, so kind of, you know, that that really interests me. So what is it about, you know, the action sequences, in, like, in, like in this film, that are kind of, you know, playful and suspenseful and exciting? Yeah, well, yeah, they're not like super thrilling, no. but they work. They really you work. You know, um, so kind of what are the dynamics of the setting of the shot of, you know, what the narrative tells you about characters, what's at stake in the chase or, you know, the shot or whatever that makes you invest you know, emotionally in these beings that are not even real, uh, you know, that gets you excited and thrilled. Whereas, like, in some action movies, they don't know the basics of how to involve you and you just have I lots think, of bullets. Um, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I think one thing is uh, understanding the geography um, and basically editing and shooting the scene in such a way that you're never confused about where things are in relation yes. to each other. Because the moment that you're confused about actually what is happening on screen, mm. never mind what it means, the moment you're confused about the, that basic stuff is the moment you have no investment in anything else because you're struggling. Yes. And Paddington has no problem with that. Paddington makes it very clear where characters are all the time and, and where the trains are going in relation to each other. You see shots where you see both of them, like one in the foreground, one in the background... And you know, so you know where they are compared to each other. You see that the tracks are going to diverge, and so on and so forth. It, and it has no problem in fitting this all into its visual style and making it very clear. And so you you're able to concentrate on the story mm. and the character. Yes, I think that's true. Um, I was also, you know, going back to your point about everything being nice. Yeah, about <laughs> you know the the um... everything being nice in Paddington's world. Yeah, because you were talking about Paddington being nice and you know and so on, right? And you he know, sees the best in people and that kind of thing. That kind of thing, and I was thinking how rare the film is, because actually, it gives everyone a nice send off. So even the worst villains in the film kind of find fulfillment by the end of it, right? So you know, you have the Hugh Grant character who is the villain, you know, and he ends up kind of 
you know, finding his captive audience in jail and hmm. kind of doing musical numbers and getting all the applause. So actually, there's a, there's a lovely outcome even for him. Right? Like, everyone has a lovely outcome at the end of the film. Yeah, particularly the, um, uh, the prisoners who escape, Brendan Gleeson and the other two, um, they're, they're pardoned. They have these newspaper codes that say... They're good people, it turns out, or something like that. <laughs> and they open a restaurant. They open, and... yeah, they open a restaurant. <laughs> make but that's a really wonderful bit, actually. I, re- I wanted to speak about that because, um, so it, it, in prison, the, the food is terrible. Um, and Paddington says, this, this isn't right. We could have lovely food. Can I speak to the chef? <laughs> um, and uh, com- yeah, they're all like, don't complain. Don't yes. complain to Knuckles because Knuckles is going to get you. <laughs> and, and, so, and he does. And he says, well, I can make marmalade. I can make, you know, marmalade's brilliant. And, uh, and so he gets involved. And then, but he's like, oh, sorry, I don't know how to make any dessert. Because all the prisoners like yes. it because it's lovely marmalade. So I can, sorry, lads, I can't make dessert. I, I know how to make marmalade. And then one of the other prisoners stands up and goes, my gran has a chocolate roulade recipe. Oh, yes. I can probably remember it. And then one of the others... So, with him in particular, it's about his gran, and there's a, there's a, there's a family thing going on all the time. Like, obviously, the film is about... Uh, family breaks up because Paddington is taken away to prison, um, and then it's reunited at the end. But there's also a thing about... The whole through line is Paddington wants to get his aunt a present for a birthday. Yes. That's the, that's the central like motivating action in the thing. That is. Is he wants to get his aunt a birthday present. Isn't that nice? Mm. Nice. And, um, and, and, and yes, yeah, so the idea that, uh, you know, one of the other prisoners who's, who's not a major character at all has this thing of my grand got a recipe and that, that, that kind of comes as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I like that. It's, yes. I don't think there's um, much to it. I like it. No, well, you know, kind of that's a that's a really nice thing in the film. Um, anyway, it's it's very bright and it's very joyous, and it's kind of sm- like everything does revolve around kind of family or family connections. I also think it's a city that revolves around London. Like London is the other major character in the film, basically. Mm. Uh, I think people who love trains will also find a lot to love in the film, <laughs> right? Like, kind of, it is a made. It's a film kind of made for, like, train geeks. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, they were so disappointed when they saw train spotting, weren't they? <laughs> they were, Finally, <laughs> a film trains. for us. <laughs> <laughs> this one will, will, will offer everything that uh, uh, will compensate for train spotting. <laughs> but he is, a, I mean, he's named after a train station, so... Yes. Um, yes. Um, so anyway, I think I think that's all really. It, it's it's quite camp, right? Like or more than quite camp, actually. Uh, well, I did say after the film, this is a film in which the moral is that wearing pink makes you gay. Yes, <laughs> because uh, Paddington gets a red sock. God knows where he got a red sock from, but he gets a red sock in the in the the laundry at the prison, and it turns all the uniforms pink. Yes, but and it, and that coincides with him kind of rubbing off on them, yes. and then everything kind of gets beautified and made nice and pretty, like yes. a, like a little town with yes. you know uh, plant pots. So you have flowers in prison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you got the, the 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 warden reading him bedtime stories over the tannoy. Yes, actually, you know, one of the things that I did think it's interesting, like at this moment and. You know, just having seen the news recently and having John Hammond's budget in which kind of really austerity is going to last another until 2022 at least or whatever. John Hammond. <laughs> Philip Hammond, isn't Philip it? Philip Hammond, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's so interesting that in a way that the film is what it is kind of in the context of Brexit, right? So, you know, 
everything is lovely, everything is a community, kind of London is pretty with no criminals and, you know, kind of, you can be friends with, like, the, the bin man and mm. kind of, you know, uh, um, uh, everybody. Uh, it's a place that still has news agents. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting that it has, like, this retro, idealized view of what, you know, uh, London and, and the country at large is, you know, uh, and, and particularly kind of that this comes at this moment, really. I was thinking about this. Like, I was thinking, when is this set? Obviously, it's set in 2017. You know, you see the Shard and everything, and, you know, and modern cars and all the rest. It's set in the present day. But, particularly once you go back to prison, it's like it's set in the 1930s, sort of. It's like it's set in an Agatha Christie movie. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's yeah. Agatha Christie movie time. There are all these competing, <laughs> competing elements of of what, what kind of version of Britain. Is being represented, mm. you know. It, there, I mean, it's, well, essentially, I, I guess it goes back to to the it's a it's a picture book thing of it's it's showing an idealized version, but some of it is kind of you know when I think of like oh tea and crumpets, let's have a picnic and go play rugger and mm. you know it's like that's not really old. But it is something that old people only do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the thing is that the film plays on it, you know, so all the fields are green, right? Like, oh, you know, the, 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 the train uh, driven by the family, at least, there, are, there is another train. But the one driven by the family is a steam engine. Mm. It is like, uh, uh, you know, a, a very nostalgic and idealized uh, view of, of the city and the country at a time in which kind of it risks to be, you know, to, to be rent asunder, really. Um, so, so that kind of dynamic is an interesting one, I think. But is it a kind of like, all, all the people who live on that street will probably be all right after Brexit? Yes, but that's not the point I'm making. The, no, point, but the point I'm making is that you have this idealized view of the country. Actually, you know, the, the only racist is the bad guy. You know, kind of, it's, it's very integrated, right? Kind of, you have people of black origin and Indian origin and so on, and everybody gets along and everything is very pretty and lovely and, you know, kind of, uh, there are no poor people or homeless people and lots of green fields and steam engines mm. and flowers, really. You know, kind of, you know, just at this moment where kind of... Yeah, it's quite immoral is what you're saying. I'm not saying it's quite immoral. I think it's just kind of like, you know, I, quite the opposite. It might be like an interesting, you know, it's an interestingly utopian view, you know, in the light of what we experience in, in our own world. And it's interesting to speculate on the gap between, you know, the world as, as you see it every day and as you understand it and that view of the nation that the film presents. but it, There's a huge gap. But I, <laughs> so the fact that the film presents that, though, is that, you know, is, is, it doing, is it doing a disservice? No, not necessarily. I mean, you know, it kind of, you know, it's a, it's an, it might be an idealised want that the world should be like that, you know. Well, but it's, a, it, right, but you get to live in it for a little while. It's escapism. You know, it's, let's live in this nice version. That's what I'm, I'm saying, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. I think it is. I think you should always be reminded <laughs> how shit the world is. <laughs> anyway, I've I, run I, I, like, uh, I like as well um, how much things, how, how many things are set up 
uh, in ways that I didn't even realise and come back later on. So things that are throwaway, like like you know that obviously the picture book is going to uh, you know, keep on coming back. But things like, so when the family is reintroduced right at the start while I was hating the film, mm. um, uh, it's like, oh, th- and, and, this is, and this is Mr. Blah, blah, blah. And he does this. And this is the mother of the family. Mm. And she is training to swim the channel. She wants to swim to France. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how nice. She wants to swim to France. And then right at the end of the film, the fact that she's been training to swim come, becomes uh, important because she, the, the, the carriage of the train that uh, Paddington is in sinks and she goes down to rescue him. Yes. You know, it's, and, it's like, and it was a throwaway thing. But, you, but as well as that, as well as it coming back um, in a way that, you know, was pleasurable... I didn't need reminding of it. Like it's not like it was so throwaway that I forgot. The you script know. is very tight. It's really tight, yeah. and the way that it's plotted, it is. It's super tight, and actually, it's a. It's uh, like I say, I, I'm not even joking. It's a <laughs> proper masterpiece in some respects. It's it's at the end, like I say, yeah. it turned me around by the end. It's yeah. great, and that in itself is probably what makes it a masterpiece. Yes, but like I say, I'm, I'm watching this. I'm going as as the film goes on, I start to warm to it, particularly once the prisoners get involved. Um, you know, I'm starting to kind of notice the technical ability behind it. It's really on display, and it's not kind of showy. No. Despite the fact that, like I said, I became very shock conscious, and I was looking for for certain things a lot, noticing what it was doing, um, and the way it was shot and edited, and the way it was was bringing things back in. Um, I was very aware of pretty much all the time, but not in a way that was distracting. Like it was a way that I was kind of marveling at it. Yes. It actually is a film where the. the it's it's not just a good film by its type of film standards. It's a good, it's a really good, well written, well plotted, well paced, you know, sort of fun family, polite. Isn't Britain great? And Brexit's not going to happen. Movie. I mean, so, not Brexit's not going to happen. Brexit's not going to be a disaster. Apparently, Brexit. According to this film, I think Brexit's going to be great. I don't like. I think this film has a very positive view of Brexit. Uh, well, uh, I don't. I think this. Film but anyway, so basically, what you're saying is. It's really a masterpiece. I was wrong to be so resistant to going to see it and go see it, everyone. The fact that I was so <laughs> the fact that I was so resistant to go and see it is what proves it is a masterpiece because of how much it turned me around by the end. With that said, I still think the opening act of the film I would not enjoy sitting through again. <laughs> okay, right. Well, on that note, let's leave it. <laughs> okay, I'm hungry. Ooh. Well, why don't you have some scones? <laughs> I should just say as well, yeah? Wait a second, wait a second. I should just say as well, as a coder, when I said it, I, I was, it, was, it moved me towards the end, uh-huh. I wasn't even, like, I meant, like, in a way that, remember how in the Florida Project? Yes. You know, we were saying, how, why is it that I can cry at robots and not real people in pain? I was, I was getting not teary but I was welling up by the end of this yes. when everyone it all came nice and they all were nice to Paddington they got out of prison everyone was having a and, and they said we've brought your aunt here that was lovely and <laughs> I welled up and did you not like the end? I did I loved it ok I thought you sounded earlier like you, you were maybe a bit iffy on it no no I loved it I loved the end I mean it's just that you know when you were describing the opening sequences I felt the same way like I was irritated I thought ugh Right. I'm glad of that because um, I thought you were having a good time and I couldn't tell. <laughs> no, actually, it was just odd because we were sitting so far apart, you know, kind of. One seat apart. Yeah, but usually if we sit, like, I could usually gauge your reaction, but actually this time I couldn't because, you know, they were one seat apart. <laughs> so, um, so I couldn't, you know, I just focused on the film. 
I wasn't really aware of what you were, how you were responding. I looked over to you every now and again. I thought you might have looked over to me while I was crying out for help with my eyes. 